morning, everyone, and welcome oh. to Yam Pod. Half the time you're not ready to go, and then now you've started this thing of jumping in before I'm ready. No, okay, you do. You're the host. No, it's fine. I'm. I've, I've told you I'm not in a great mood today. I know. Not in a not in a good mood. I'm too stressed. Yeah, I know. Yeah, got a lot going on, haven't we? We do. Um, but I'm I'm sure I'll cheer up towards the end of the episode, he says optimistically. Yeah, you'll either cheer up or you'll find something to rant about. Yeah, so then... if I'm not my usual, you know, spunky self, then uh, what does spunky mean in Australia? Like a honk, honky. Uh, He's ah, a skunk. Okay. I know it has different connotations in the UK, but as a word to say, it's one of the most satisfying words in the English language. It's got a nice kind of boing to it. It's bunk. I mean, I can't say I've ever thought about it in that way. Oh, it feels great. Okay. It's a shame that you can't generally say it because because of what it alludes to in the UK. Uh, I need to move to Australia or America so I can just go around saying, yeah, you do. saying oh, I'm feeling spunky today. And everyone will think that you are, like, really obsessed with yourself and mm. vain. Would you... Um, well, spunky doesn't... Spunky in America means kind of like, oh. like preppy, kind of like a bit kind of, hey, get up and yeah, go. Yeah, Yay. yeah, actually true. That probably, that probably does mean that in Australia, but, like, spunk is just, like, a cute guy. Sorry, everyone, who's tuned in expecting a Meridian podcast uh, and have instead a uh, been treated to a discussion on the different colloquial uses of the word spunk our first letter is from a friend of ours Do, why is he why is he he signed the letter dimples because he's cute <laughs> he is cute um do we do we just say who he is not i don't know if he wants us to say his name we've said his name on the podcast millions of times fine we won't mention it he might want to remain anonymous. <coughs> Mark Bailey. Um <laughs> Well, I was just clearing my throat. Okay. <laughs> Hello, beautiful people. Not going to just run through the tracks for radiation, except to say what everyone knows. Few Words isn't just a standout track on the album, but a top three Meridian track of all time. Possibly number one. What? Although there are some killers at the top tier. You're both wrong about Cathedral Wall, but you're doing your best, so that's fine. He's so rude. Um, I was 100% Fish, Solo and Marillion, and 0% H era when I started a new job in 1997. As I had Fish logos blasted all over my workspace, I got the attention of an H era fan who was the complete opposite to me. He dropped Fish Solo when they split and went 100% H era and was a real fan. We agreed to swap CDs. Unnecessary apostrophe there, Mark. Uh, sorry, Dimples, on a listen-to-this basis. He was given Sunsets on Empire, which was released on the day I started this new job and where I met my current wife. She was my boss, probably still is. Ha-ha. I received TSE. Fair to say he got the better deal. TSE was painful to a newcomer, but I kept plugging away at it. Airing my dissatisfaction, I was then drip-fed into selected earlier eight-year tracks along with Best of Both Worlds. It was starting to work. I spent more and more time listening to this new music, although deep down inside was a voice screaming out, this isn't the real Marillion. I wanted to hate them and also didn't want to drop my belief that Fish ruled. With the release of Radiation, the make or break opportunity was there. 
I worked on the same trading estate as Castle. Ah, I didn't oh, know wow. that. And oh, therefore, yeah, I, I had my hands on radiation probably four weeks before most other people. Oh, before me, Mark. I got a promo copy from my work. Just, you know, saying. So, I am, you know, I'm also special. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I was on Freaks at the time. That was the online list. Right. Uh, and the build-up and anticipation was everywhere. Here it was. Make or break for me to embrace New Meridian. Brand new album in my hands before most fans had the chance to listen to it. I was in at the very beginning of this new work. Is that how you pronounce that? Sounds about right. Ugh. Is it that? Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. I tried and tried to like it during those four weeks. Sorry, that was a bit of... Bit, bit like a sex noise, wasn't it? Oh, now you've said it. Now I can't unhear oh, Mark, it. Mark, you don't need to write down what <laughs> every noise you're making while you're, while you're typing your emails. Sorry, dimples. Uh, I tried and tried to like it during those four weeks, but it just wasn't happening. Not the best tracks, muddy cluttered sound, a megaphone to open the album. What the hell were they thinking? Having an early copy, I had committed to not discussing it with anyone, although I desperately... Although I desperately, oh dear, this is a complicated sentence. I think he means desperately wanted to shout out to the Freaks group. Do you think that's what he meant? Yeah. Should have proofread it, Mark. Dimples. Um, in, <laughs> I desperately wanted to shout out to the Freaks group, incoming low-hanging fruit, prepared for disappointment. I'd had enough of putting effort into this without any signs of improvement moving forward. Last Chance Saloon for me was the opportunity to see the new Meridian live for the first time. The press launch party gig for Radiation at the Jazz Cafe in London. I was oh, there. Wow. No way. You were both in this at the same place at the yeah, same time. Yeah, that was the night I gave myself, well, I think I had concussion. How on earth did you manage that? Don't quite remember. I hit it on um, the toilet roll holder oh in, in a cubicle. Are you for real? Yeah. What? I don't know. I can't how quite did remember you, how what, I did it. What were you doing? Bending over. Oh, God. Oh, this. God. This does not sound good. <laughs> this is not something that a I, wife would want to hear. I bent over in a toilet cubicle and whacked the back of my head on a... Why were you bending? I mean, doing... I was alone in the... Doing... I was alone in the toilet cubicle. <laughs> what? No. I was alone in the toilet cubicle. I was there with... This is how I went because it was... Um, it was a sort of press launch. Um, and I went with the music guy from um from teletext to where i worked right he wasn't a, he was a big ironically a big richard barbieri and uh japan fan which is the band richard barbieri was oh, in. right um this was pre-h collaborating with barbieri um so yeah that was his big thing so i mean i remember him he was i think he he yeah he was polite about the night, but I don't think he particularly enjoyed it. Right. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, so that's how I had concussions. So anyway. Okay. Um, so uh, continuing me with Dimple's letter. This was going to be special. Limited fan tickets, press attendance with presumably Meridian giving it everything they could on stage. Disappointed? Not strong enough. Ooh. For me, compared to a fish gig, this was a disaster. Little on stage charisma from anyone, a lighting rig that could be replicated on a Zippo, and the feeling the band just wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. They didn't even play any fish era Marillion. This is something I'm really curious to know. How did people respond when they went to a gig and in the beginning, in those early years, and saw Marillion again for the first time with H? Mm. 
and saw him perform Fish era songs, was that like, yes, or was it more like, oh? No, it was yes, I think. It was always a yes. So it wasn't yeah. like, oh, no, it's not. As Only far Fish as I can do Yeah, that. I think so, because I think it was that was the classic era. Right. Um, so you didn't mind that it wasn't Fish performing the, them? I never did. Yeah, and you also had at the time, you know, Fish was touring regularly, so you could go right. and watch Fish play those songs if that's what you wanted. And he he was still he was playing Marillion songs. Yeah, well, you know, particularly in those early days, the fewer albums they had, they had to fill out a set list somehow. Yeah, that's true. As time went on, less and less fish stuff. Yeah, it was in the set, and then they went through quite a long run of many years where they didn't play any fish era stuff whatsoever. Mm. Um, and gradually, the odd song has come back into the set uh, over the years, but. Uh, I don't think anyone now goes to a Meridian gig expecting to hear fish hearing material. The only time we really kind of expect it is is at the Meridian weekends. Yeah. But even then, you know, these days, it's like I feel like I've heard all the songs that from that era that H is ever going to sing. I'm quite happy for them to just concentrate on H era stuff. Right. Now, really. I don't, I don't care. It's like the last couple of Meridian weekends, they did a lot of fish stuff. They did that singles night. Yeah, you loved that. Uh, I do. I loved it. Um, yeah, kind of. What? Well, it started strong. Let's put it that way. Meridian oh, right. singles. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. Now I get that. <laughs> oh, now I get it. Yeah, yeah. H era, they weren't the best at choosing singles. No. Yes. <laughs> You can yeah. say that again. So, uh, yeah, the, the it started very strongly. Margaret Square Hero, best opening to a gig ever. And then yeah. just kind of the evening sort of got progressively more disappointing. <laughs> you know, they skipped over Fugazi entirely. Uh, so no forget, for assassin or punching Judy. Uh. Um, they did play the Spiral remake of uh, Great Escape, which was interesting. Which was good. You know, interesting in a good way, but... Anyway, um, what were you asking? Yeah, but I, you know, and then they did the night where they played a lot of Clutching of Straws or all the Clutching of Straws songs that they've ever done with H, um, which was good. Um, but I just, you know, it's, yeah. Well, they, but it's mainly they, I'm wondering at the in the beginning years with H because yeah. it might have been uncomfortable for him. And so as an audience member, you can kind of pick up on that sometimes. Yeah, maybe. But if everyone was, most people were happy, then... It was, I've said this before, and I've said it on the podcast before, I felt it took him a long time to really feel comfortable on stage and start to own those Just in general. Yeah, well, just in general in the band, quite clearly. Um, Where was I? You Um, were up to... So Mark saying, sorry, Dimple's saying, not strong enough for me compared to a fish gig, this was a disaster, blah, 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 blah. Um... I understand the reasons for this, i.e. no fish ear material. But at the time, my feeling was, this is for the press to hear the new album and other H ear material. But this was a live gig in front of diehard fans. Surely they would have wanted to show the press the whole gambit of what Marillion were about. It was over. H era Marillion was dead. I bought .com, which put the final nail in the coffin. <laughs> oh, I be- dear. I bet it did. Subsequently, I discovered, not for the first time in my life, that I was completely wrong. Marillion are the number one band in my life. There are a few number two bands, but they are not in the same league. I'd say there are a lot of number two bands out there. 
uh, if a non-fan is going to attack my beloved Marillion, I will bind their hands together, tie a Bible around their necks, and burn them on a Port Zealand barbecue. <laughs> what could he possibly be referring to? We really interrupted that letter, didn't we? We did. <laughs> we were joining in the conversation. Uh-huh. You want to do the next one? My turn. Okay, so... Uh, Our next letter is from NB. Oh. And it reads, Hi both. Hope you're both well and that the COVID issues are a distant memory. More or less. They are. Yeah. I think they are. Given the fans' polls where radiation always seems to vie for the last place... Is it? Radiation last place? Mm. Not .com. It tends to be... I think radiation.com and um, somewhere else tend to be the three that... Languish at the bottom. Ah, sorry. And Paul's unease with the Castle Years era. I was expecting radiation to get a right kicking. I was so pleased to hear you both rate it as I loved it then and I love it now. Yeah, we were surprised. I was, I, I was, I was very, very surprised. surprised. I was expecting yeah. to hate it and I didn't. But you can thank that 2013 remix. Yes. And uh, you can just thank probably the fact that I, I don't listen to it often. And able to go back to it with sort of semi-fresh ears. Granted, it's no... <laughs> <laughs> laughing about it now. Ugh. Granted, it's no misplaced, clutching at straws, brave, AOS, marbles or fear. What, why are you <laughs> laughing, Sandy? Well, when you put it that way, oh. like list all the albums, um, <laughs> I think it's fab. I'm also laughing because of what you said, which you... Edited out. Edited yeah, out. wonder what I said, everyone. Um, <laughs> to do with clutching at straws. No, it's not to... Oh, now they're all going to wonder... Look, I said, Sanya mispronounced clutching as crutching, and then I blurted out the phrase crutching at spunk, which is unfortunate. And so I, I edited it out, but now I've left this bit in. <laughs> You're just giving yourself more work. Um, sure, it's a band... You all right? Start again. Sure, if a band tries to... No, 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 try it third time. Sure, sure. It's a band try. Just band keep, if you try. just keep reading it, you'll understand the sentence. Sure, it's a band try to second guess trends. Get with the kids. Do you want me to have a go? <laughs> yeah. Sure, it's a band try to second guess trends. Comma. Get it means them. and get with the kids. Oh, okay. Sure, it's a band try to second guess trends. Get with the kids. Nah, nah. Still reading weird. Sure, it's a band just, try. Just ignore, turn, turn the comma into an and. Sure, it's a band's try. No. Sure, it's a band. <laughs> sure, it's a band try to second guess trends. Get with the kids. No, 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 no. I said and in my head. No, you didn't. So try it again. One sure, it's a band try to second guess trends. Get with the kids. No, why are you not saying and? You want me to say and? I think, I think there's you're, no and in there. I think you'll find it a lot happier. Sure, it's a band try to second guess trends and get with the kids. Nailed it. It's a bit like your old fashioned friend announcing he's having a makeover and getting in fashion, only to find him in last season's clothes with a ropey haircut and an awkward air that lets you know he's not a happy bunny. It's the kind of sweet and endearing way. Are they Britpop? Are they pop? Are they the ghost of the Beatles? I'm not even sure they know. They aren't prog, though, or so they announce, even though they always seem to bang one in there somewhere. 
the title track last time, a few words for the dead this time and interior Lulu next time. They didn't really know who or what they were, but they could still bang out a good tune. Answering machine, now she'll never know, these chains, born to run, a few words for the dead and even cathedral rock. Cathedral wall. Cathedral roll. That'll be if they ever open a cafe. Yeah. We'll have uh, two cathedral cathedral rolls, please. Um, I know you hate it, but I love the claustrophobic nature, the build, the swell, and the until the final violent outburst. Marvellous stuff. The 90s were a weird time for them. They were the uncoolest band on the planet, openly derided by the press and ill-informed, who hadn't heard Brave, AOS, and wrote them off. Their loss, though, they cultivated the fan base, and that now exists as we drew ranks around them and each other. So in a way, thank you, you idiots, for helping create the band (laughs) that we, the proper fans, know and hold so dear. But yeah, you're right. The cover is shit. (laughs) Keep up the good work, NB. What do you reckon his real name is? Or her real name? Um, Nugget Nugget Boy. (laughs) (laughs) New Benson. New Benson, yep. Thank you, NB. Um, NB, thank you. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) NB, that was a good letter. Next letter from Simon Brotherton. Oh, Brotherton! Just been busy catching up and working my way through the podcast. Currently listening to How Prog and Meridian. And yep, all sounds really familiar. Personally, I like Stephen Wilson, Old and New, Kate Bush, King Crimson, Radiohead, Peter Gabriel, Genesis, and of course, Meridian, Old and New too. But yep, there will always be keyboard warrior haters blowing off steam. My story began in 1989 when a school friend disgustedly handed me an original tape copy of The Thieving Magpie, exclaiming, It's classical shite! Our valiant minority band of the school metalheads all loved Maiden, Slayer and Metallica at the time. Not expecting much, I gave it a go. The unique imagery that the music and Fish's lyrics created completely captured my imagination and I was hooked. Obviously, it was an odd time to discover the Fish era, not long after, I saw the Hooksy New performance on Top of the Pops and was a little crestfallen, to say the least. Oh, poor H. I don't know. I want to I want to dig into that whole era again at some point because yeah. I've been thinking about it a lot. I think it'll be good to go back to it after we've done the whole... walk the whole road with yeah, him. Yeah, I want to I talk about... When we've done .com, I do want to talk about the 90s, particularly for the band, and look at the 90s as an overview. Mm. And at some point, maybe we could go back and just do the 80s as an overview. Because the 90s, frankly, something went badly wrong for them. And just it would be good to just look back and kind Mm. of go, well, what happened? Mm -hmm. Even though there were sort of glimmers of recovery towards the end of the 90s, which we'll get into when we talk about .com. Anyway, I've stuck with the band since then through thick and thin, always the only fan among my mates, dragging a series of girlfriends to various gigs, including the one who eventually became my amazing wife. These days, I play grindcore drums and listen to loads of the noisiest extreme stuff, but Meridian continue to hold a special place in my heart. Music shouldn't be about labels. It should be about listening to whatever you enjoy. Fave albums, Clutching at Straws, Miss Blessed Childhood, Brave Marbles. 
Thanks again and keep up the podcast and occasional vitriol. <laughs> Simon. Oh, Brotherton. Oh, that's great. And it's interesting that his favourite albums are a mix of both Fishera and Achira. As probably are mine. Ah. Misplaced is always in there. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be. Clutching is up there, but if I had a top three, Misplaced would be in there. And the other two, well, marbles without a shadow of a doubt. Probably afraid of sunlight. There you go. Oh, there ah. you go. Hmm. Woot, woot. My turn. We've got a quick note from Matthew Ravel. And he says, just a quick note. <laughs> just a quick note to say thanks again for the podcast. Your analysis of radiation has helped me realise that despite feeling in 1998 that it wasn't really Marillion, this is by far the highlight of the castle years and probably in my top five for the H era. I wonder if I'll re-evaluate re .com too after your opposite, opposites episodes on that one. Do you like .com, Matthew? That's my question, because if you do... Well, he said it's in his top five of the H era, so it no, sounds he, like no, he does that, like that's it. That's radiation. Oh, dot com. Remember, that letter, oh, you, remember that letter you've just read and the last yes. sentence of it that you literally just read? Yeah, literally just read, but yeah. what can I say? Um, I'm saying, Matthew, if you enjoyed dot com and you regard it as an album that you like, yes, you may reevaluate your opinion after. Well, okay. Okay. That's, you're, you're assuming that yours is the only opinion that counts on this podcast and that we're going to agree. I don't. I, I know. Bold I know. Of I know to, it's bold grown on of you. you to assume. I know that it's we're grown going on you. Agree. And do you know why it's grown on you? Because we've taken forever on dot com. Yeah. It feels like oh, we've right. been listening to dot com. I've been listening to dot com. I've been ready to do the podcast for ages, but yeah, feels like we've been working on it a long, long time. Yes. Next letter from our dear friend Matthias from Sweden. Hope you're feeling better after COVID. We are. Thank you. Thanks for the radiation episodes. Gave me some new perspectives. It didn't change my view of the album much, though. So I want to start with a quote from Pete in the Sounds That Can't Be Made documentary. The hardest part, really, is to not repeat yourself and to try and reinvent yourself while keeping hold of what is, essentially, you know, the greatness of what the five of us can bring together. They definitely try to do different things on this album, but in my opinion, they lost some of the magic that brought me to the band. Yeah, that for me is... All three of those 90s or late 90s albums from TSE to .com is they didn't hang on to what made them great enough. They let it slip away. But again, as we discussed, probably because they were rushing and under pressure. And we can discuss that when we do a bit of a retrospective on the 90s. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um. Having said that, there are a few songs I like. A Few Words From The Dead is great, by far the best song on the album, and the one where they managed to do what Pete said. I also think Now She'll Never Know is brilliant, agreed, and Three Minute Boy is a cracker, agreed, especially live. Born To Run has its moments, agreed. The rest of the album doesn't catch me, agreed. I have returned to it many times, and the 2013 remix was a big improvement but it will remain as one of my least favourite Marillion records. And the sad thing is, it will get worse with the next one. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> Take care, Matthias. You too, Matthias. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I noticed you didn't say agreed to the last... Comment. Oh, agreed. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. At least as far as I'm concerned, even though Sanya now has declared it her favourite album. 
Well, no, I didn't. Okay, let's let's you think, not you think get it's carried better than away. Brave, don't you? Dot com. Where have you got that idea? <laughs> Just you Where up. have you got that idea <laughs> You from? think it's better than Brave. I would not take it that far. Ready for the next one? Yeah. Our next letter is from home base Stephen, Stephen Wicks, Wicks who... or McKillian. I just I just know you as McKillian. Mm. <laughs> McKillian. Is that how you say it? That sounds like um, Scottish surname, McKillian. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Paul and Sanya, I discovered radiation when I became a born again Meridian fan in August two thousand and two. I went to see a show at Sheffield Uni that year, having not seen them since a disappointing performance at the Sheffield City Hall on the Season's End tour. That is a bit of a tongue twister. (laughs) The band were brilliant at the uni gig, and so began my rediscovery of the best band in the world, now that Russia no more. The back catalogue purchases were pretty random, but I stuck to buying and absorbing one album at a time rather than buying several at once and being overwhelmed. I loved radiation from the first listen. Having been a Radiohead loving indie person in the 90s, it was like the band had made an album just for me. From the sparky Costa del Slough, or as Paul would say, spunky, <laughs> through the lyrical fireworks of Now She'll Never Know, an answering machine, to the worst song on the album at the end. Sorry, I know you love it. What? Unbelievable. Just you, unbelievable. What? I'm unfollowing. Set I'm literally going on my phone now and unfollowing Mock Ilian. <laughs> no, you'd never do that because <laughs> it's that. too funny. Um, the second person that didn't like don't get it. a few words for the dead. It's about as brilliant as, as, it, as it gets. Don't get it. It was one of the albums that rejuvenated my love of the band. The subsequent release of The Mighty Marbles sealed the deal and saw me taking my wife just three years later to her first Marillion gig at the last Minehead weekend. We've remained big fans ever since and have made some great friends through the concerts and weekends. Back to Radiation. The Mike Hunter remix fixes the parts that needed fixing perfectly to my ears and the album is now up in the top 10 for the band in my opinion. One final thought. I wonder how many of H's songs are about infidelity. <laughs> wow. Wow, okay. Uh. <laughs> I, suspect, I suspect more than are about death and water combined. Oh, I agree. I, wow. I found Paul's comments on this subject very touching and it's comments like those expressed that make your podcast so special. Aww, Keep it up. Thank you. P.S. Decking down by 50% for one week <laughs> only and two for one on lawnmowers with stocks last. <laughs> uh, uh, regards, Stephen Homebase Wicks. Oh, that was a nice ending. Uh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, um, I think you're right on the oh, infidelity dear. thing. There are quite a few though, aren't there? Uh, hang on, wait. Especially at the moment. Whoa, we've not even touched yeah, I mean, on the full extent of them. Have I mean, we not? No. There's already been, well, yeah. For the next two I've albums. Read into I think them. the next two albums, he distances himself a bit from it. Meridian.com. Uh, Isn't it? House is house, about. Oh, yeah. but no, house we can't is, go into it yet. House is about the fallout as opposed right, to. Right, yeah. Being, oh, I suppose. But it's kind of linked. That's yeah, kind of linked. Anorantophobia, I don't think there is any, unless they're very well hidden, shall we say. Right. You know, I'm buried beneath um, layers and metaphors and things. 
Uh, marbles, yeah. We're, we're back to it again. And then somewhere else again, mentioning it. When he split with his first wife, what was the album that was uh, I believe next? it was... Um, don't quote me on this. It was before or between, I think, Marbles and Somewhere Else. And is Somewhere Else the one that's heavy on the songs? Well, the title track on that is, is you know, as, they, as he sings in it, Everyone I Love Lives Somewhere Else, oh. um, which he wrote in uh, Mark Kelly's Spare Bedroom on Christmas right. Day. Okay. Uh, so it but could no, be Marbles that... has got, you know, Marbles has got the only unforgivable thing. Yeah. Um, Genie and the damage are, are pretty much about being tempted while on the road and so right. on. That's how I've always seen them. I mean, I'm giving away too much to you, but yeah, I think I think he does write about it a lot because it's obviously something uh, for whatever reason was a topic that that absolutely um, well it had a huge impact on his life. But what I was wondering allegedly. Oh, allegedly. Okay. Well, look, no. I mean, what okay, I he's come out. Look, he said, I've read enough interviews. In fact, I've read one very recently where he described himself as unfaithful. Right. He has described himself with that word. Right. Um, and I think someone who writes about it that much is processing a lot. Yeah. And this is what I was wondering because it kind of started in this era where he was writing songs about it. Mm. And then you said it went quiet and it, it could be possibly because he had to push it all down and try and make the marriage work. And then finally, when he, he saw it wasn't going to, oh, then he was able to process it again. Quote, exactly. There was a quote that I was going to read um, with regard to, to dot com mm. uh, where he mentioned all of the strife that was going that he was going through. And he says, um, you know, and specifically in relation to the song House. Uh, where he he says, oh, but, you know, that's all in the past now. It's a happy home. Right. So he Um, was just, he kind of, he was in that phase where the lid was put on it. Let's not talk about it. We're trying to make this work. But of course, it doesn't go away. Putting a lid on something doesn't make it Mm. go away. It just, pressure increases. Yeah. Uh, and I'm then, guessing this isn't saying no, this like, is us guessing but, I'm really guessing but there is a, a this is the thing with with in it happened with fish uh, which is why we one day I think you know we could potentially go and and do fish's albums mm. because in the same way that we were able to tell a story over the course of those first four fish albums and I've said this before with regard to the H era, a story is being told over the course of yes the H era albums and and sorry, I'm just going to jump in. It's being told through what is said and and what is omitted. Yes, that's that tells yes. the story just as I, much. I completely agree. And additionally, you know, H doesn't um, always use lyrics at the time that he writes them. Sometimes he'll that's save true. them for later on. Yeah, that's um, true. So it's a bit like kind of seeing the light from a distant star. You know, sometimes it takes further or longer to reach you. Mm. Uh, depending on where the star is. I don't know where I was going with that, but it was a lovely metaphor. Uh, <laughs> no, I get that. But it, it's, you know, so sometimes you could almost see them as like flashbacks. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I think, you know, when we get to Happiness is the Road, he's, uh, you know, again, between Somewhere Else and Happiness is the Road, that album and that lyric 
came out of him from what reading between the lines struggling emotionally and mentally on on the road mm. um and in Utrecht is when he had to go to a doctor and say you know help me out here so and then you get uh you know effect, effectively the power now the album where he's trying to do we need to read the book to understand I'm the album? not we've tried to read the book <laughs> it was tried. boring Years ago, years ago, when it was like a big deal, I tried to read it, and it just didn't get very far. We did two and a half years of a counselling course. That's enough. Yeah, but I want to know. All that Eckhart Tolle was doing was basically, you know, repackaging humanist uh, counselling. I try and listen to it or something. We did. Do you not remember? We tried to listen. Got the audio book, and his voice was. Oh, he speaks really slowly. It wasn't just slowly. We found his voice funny, and we couldn't listen to it without laughing. That's terrible. Yes, it's terrible. But We're that, terrible people. We are terrible people. I know that. Next letter is from uh, Richard Beanham. Wasps and pigs. I'm sorry? <laughs> honey, honey, honey glazed ham. No, honey glazed ham. Yes. What, had, what did wasps have to do with it? Bee and ham. Oh, Honey glazed bacon. I was thinking beans. Honey glazed bacon. Bean, bean ham. Bean ham. Honey glazed bacon. That's yeah. All right. That's a good one. So, honey glazed bacon says, Hello again. I hope you're back to fighting fitness after your bout of COVID and can taste and smell once more. Oh, you wouldn't believe what I've been smelling. So, Radiation. Another album I missed on its release due to the... Sorry, <laughs> i my comment there. <laughs> So, Radiation, another album I missed on its release due to the many musical distractions student life offered me. I found myself wondering how I might have reached, uh, reacted to it if I had not missed it. Looking back on where I was at that point in 1998, freshly graduated and thrust back into the real world after three years of doing a drama degree. It's not a real degree, is it? Back at home. Oh. <laughs> I did drama at college, it's fine. Back at home, smarting from the double whammy of post-graduation blues and a torrid student fling that hadn't worked out. I was a rather embarrassing mess due to the latter. Everything was uncertain. Domestically, emotionally and financially. I'm trying to set up a tenuous link between mine and the band situation at the time, but it's not quite working, is it? I'll press on. Anyway, had I bought it at the time, much of Radiation would have slotted in fairly comfortably with a lot of what I was listening to. Except that, knowing it was Marillion and not, say, Oasis Pulp or Ocean Colour Scene, just four years on from Brave, it would have felt more than a little jarring. Dare I say, slightly desperate even. Yeah, that was a little feeling that I was getting at the time. That Yeah, because I've just, I've just bought a bunch of web magazines from that era. Mm. Um, which arrived yesterday and they uh, full of photos of H and his sort of skin tight top tie dyed trying to look a bit cool and not buying it it's even been described as their midlife crisis album yeah by me and yes it would have felt then and still does feel now like the 50 something guy who reacts to his wife leaving him by dyeing his hair getting a tattoo and piercing buying a motorbike and embarking on a series of tragic flings with girls half his age before one Viagra too many shocks him back to reality 
Hey, I'm in my 50s next week. Oh, well, if you're you listening are. to this the day it came out, I'm 50 this week if you'd like to buy me a present. <laughs> yes, I know I said that last time as well. That's wow. how much, you know, like with H, constantly mentioning infidelity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Everyone would like to buy me a present. Drop us a line for the, um, <laughs> the, the address. I can understand the band's desire to sound current, given their difficult situation at the time, but it doesn't sound like their hearts are really in it. And the Britpop wave was already starting to subside by the time the album came out. They wouldn't be the first band to try and capitalise on a sound that wasn't really them. Queen did it in 1982 with the Hot Space album, a foray into more funky territory after the massive crossover success of Another One Bites the Dust two years earlier, only to find that disco was all but dead. And their fans, particularly in America, wondered what on earth their favourite rock band were playing at. The difference, though, was that Queen were huge worldwide and had nothing to lose, although arguably they did end up losing a lot with Hot Space whereas Meridian's commercial peak was over a decade behind them. That said, though, is it an awful album? Not at all. They've done worse. Lyrically, there were some strong, heart-wrenching moments, and it's clear that H was having a pretty horrible time of it. <clears throat> now should never know is raw and confessional. He knows that his actions have destroyed the thing most precious to him, and it's all his own fault. Um, <laughs> ironically, he later wrote a song called It's Not Your Fault. <laughs> Might not have been to himself. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was? Yeah. Aww. It was uh, written as a lullaby for adults Aww. to sing to yourself yeah, when you're falling asleep. because we're all, like, riddled with guilt. Yeah. I've no wish to speculate on his private life, but it's not hard to read between the lines. The answering machine seems to be part of the same story, hidden behind the band having a good old thrash about. Three Minute Boy is not a million miles from Tuxon as a cautionary tale, although it wouldn't sound out of place on Oasis Be Here Now, which I'm sure was the intention. Born to run, he's rather close to home, coming as I do from a small town in Lancashire and having lived in London for 20 years. Whenever I go back, I'm reminded of why I left and who I might be if I hadn't. And the song articulates it only too well. Ecstasy's undead, tremble upon the edge of the tightly, respectably unfulfilled who drink to excess in order to forget what never happened. Blimey. That is a hell of a lyric, actually. Uh, as Paul pointed out, the likes of Radiohead and The Verve were dancing on the edges of prog in the late 90s, so I suppose a bit of cross-pollination was inevitable. I wouldn't put radiation down as a failure by any means. After all, Yes put out Open Your Eyes in 1997, sticking to their prog guns, and that was shit. <laughs> in summary, some of it works, some of it doesn't, and it sort of sounds like one of those bands who had, won, who <clears throat> had one hit album before disappearing, of which there were loads during the Britpop years. And given what came next, I think we were lucky to have it. Thanks for indulging me, and much loved and luck to you both. Richard Beanham, a.k.a. Honey honey Glazed, glazed. Ha, Bacon. Yes. Honey Glazed Bacon. I've got a question for you. Oh, I was so, just going to say uh, it. Really, I was the, just about to say something really interesting, but go on. Oh, it's just off the back of um, <laughs> Honey Glazed Bacon's letter. Yeah. Uh, set mentioning how in the late 90s, bands were embracing prog a bit more. Yeah. That seems to be happen happening again at the moment. That's what I was going to talk about. Oh, really? Because of Coldplay. Because of Coldplay, um, oh, is it Counting Crows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Counting Crows, yes. For Counting those... Crows, Coldplay. And there was someone else that did a proggy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who. Well, because Counting Crows have just basically, effectively, released a 20-minute or half-an-hour-long song. It's four songs, you know, 
linked together, a suite of songs. Uh, it doesn't sound proggy in that traditional sense, but I mean, I love Counting Crows anyway. But it's interesting that they would do that. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, here we then we have uh, Coldplay with their. I was going to say shamelessly, but I don't even know if they know what they're doing and how familiar it sounds. Because I bet Coldplay wrote that song. Was it Color Chew or something? A ten minute long song mm. that kind of has atmospheric Van Gennessy bits and then Floyd like bits. I bet they think they're being really kind of uh original and really kind of, you know, forward thinking and pushing the musical boundaries without realising that all that stuff's been done thirty years ago. <laughs> I like it. I don't dislike the song. Yeah. But and it's very proggy and it does yeah, but listening to it I kinda of went yeah, but Marillion would have done this better. Oh, okay, interesting. That's what I thought. I thought Marillion would have done this better. Pink Floyd would have done this better. So the opposite uh, of how you felt about Marillion trying to do pop songs in the nineties. Yeah, weirdly, I know it was that was or that was rock songs. More absolutely, what I was thinking. And I don't dislike mm. Coldplay. I know they get a lot of stick. Uh, I've seen them live. Um, I yeah, they write good pop songs, mm. and I quite like their last album which was, I thought, relatively sort of proggy and quite experimental. Oh, I've never listened to that. Didn't do terribly no, well as a double. It didn't do massively well because it didn't really have any sort of obvious hits on there. Mm. Um, but it was it was, uh, it was, was all right. Yeah, very atmospheric. So do you think, considering there's this trend to do more, to embrace prog more, <laughs> do you think Marillion's next album is going to be embracing Well, we know, it's, we know it's a collection of songs that are upbeat. Although I don't think that's true because they did mention in their last video which yeah. got you very happy they do were working on some atmospheric bits yes you know your smile you were beaming after you heard that what i hope they do mm. is uh they do an album of songs but then in between each song there's like atmospheric linking bits <laughs> they won't do that but I, that's what i'd love <laughs> next letter next- oh this is me getting into trouble Next letter is a clarification from Regis. Our friend Regis, the wicked pisser. Wicked pisser. Thanks for reading my email. Please, please let me clarify my statement about the music. I myself am not a musician and my point was for you to point out or mention the musical parts of the song that you like or love. For example, Rothery's main solo on Easter gives me goosebumps to this day almost every time I hear it. Things like that. Ah, well... Uh, yes, I, 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 yes, perhaps we kind of focused a bit too much on saying, oh, we're not musicians. I think we do say that, though, don't we, if we like something musically? I try to, um, maybe yeah, not enough. We'll try and do it more, Regis. Uh, yes, we'll try and do it more. That's all I have to say is, um, yeah, I, I thought we. I mean, I don't know do. how much I'm going to do it during dot com. Hang on, make up your mind. You've been in, alluding to really liking dot com. Not really liking. No, I did not say really liking. Let's rein that back. You, you were I just walking around the house this morning going... Yeah, I no, that stuck in my head. You weren't doing that. Um, All right. Uh, apologies, Regis, if we misrepresented you. Um, but, yeah, I will try and do it more. Um, we love you. <laughs> Off you go. Wicked pisser. Um, 
That's my favorite phrase now. It's great, yeah. Last week, I downloaded the remaster of Radiation, and the difference was amazing. Favorite tracks are Three Minute Boy, Awesome Live Port Zealand Performance, Cathedral Wall, due to the remix, and starts off like the soundtrack to a horror movie. Excellent. And A Few Words for the Dead. Under the Sun is a rocker, but missing something. And Answering Machine is interesting. <laughs> interesting could go, the meaning of interesting could go both ways. Um, radiation has become like an ex you see after a long time and realized that there were some good times and looks better after a makeover. Lol. Uh, yeah. Well, it was dot coms like an ex you see after a long time and you're like, yep, glad I got out of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't. Oh You're so yep. cool to dot com. Yeah, did the right thing there. <laughs> if you download your music onto an iPhone or iPod, switch everything over to Apple lossless files. Oh. oh, never heard of that. This makes a huge sonic improvement in terms of details, depth and width. Tears for Fears songs from the big chair is a high res lossless Apple Digital Master, that is such a tongue twister, is a high-res, lossless Apple Digital Master. The sound is ungodly. I don't know, how How do you do that, though? Switch everything don't know, I don't listen to music off on my iPod. So, well, it says on, you can on your phone. Yeah, well, I don't do that either. Ah. Maybe you should... I do, though. Um, maybe you should <laughs> share... Maybe you should share what kind of other music you two listen to and if you are beer or wine folks. <laughs> well, Cheers, Regis. Uh, firstly, I need to say thank you wine. to... Wine. Hang on a minute. Wait oh, a minute. Stop that. Uh, where was I? Yeah, Regis, thank you for recommending Fish on Friday. Yes, I see totally what you mean. I haven't listened to loads. We had one of their albums on in the car recently uh, and I listened to some earlier this week. Uh, and yeah, they're absolutely... <laughs> this is going to sound bad. They're absolutely the right sort of prog for me in that they're proggy and some longer songs and some atmospheric bits, but it doesn't ever descend into that self-indulgent noodling that is like fingernails down a blackboard. Which, interestingly, we listened to Transatlantic in the car because I wanted to get Sanya's first impression of it. You weren't a fan, were you? It started off well and then kind of went downhill. Yeah. Uh, but we yeah. will actually look at that album properly at some point around the time it comes out, which neither of us are particularly looking forward to. So, wine. Well, you can't drink beer because you're gluten it's intolerant. Full of, it's full of barley. Yeah, so. you can't drink beer. I'm probably these days... I mean, we're not big drinkers, unfortunately. This is the truth. Uh, we did get drunk the other week because we saw all our Marillion friends for the first time and since the couch convention. Um, we'll have... We'll share a bottle of wine on a Saturday night. Um, pig I, wine. The best wine. We call it pig wine. It's not called pig wine. It has a pig on the label. It's yeah. Australian. It's called the, the Hedonist. The Hedonist. And, and it's, it's delicious. It's mid-price, so about 15 quid. Yes. We'll, full-bodied. Full-bodied. Yeah. So we'll drink that on a Saturday night and then maybe we'll have a... Liqueur. Liqueur afterwards. <laughs> we have gin and tonics occasionally. Occasionally gin and tonics. Uh, now, with the way more we talk about it, it sounds like real big drinkers. Beer I'll only drink when I see my mates, generally. I've got some alcohol-free beer in the fridge at the moment. You do? Uh, which I nearly had one last night. You have that big, those huge bottles. I don't yes, know what that is. The, the Camden Hell's Lager. Oh, they're lager. Got, but that we got that when we were seeing our mates. Oh, right. Um, yeah, that's when I tend to drink beer. Gigs, seeing mates, or um, Marillion weekends. But we're not really big drinkers. I don't drink at all during the week. Uh, mm. Nor do you. It's just age. 
it's an age thing. It's mm-hmm. it's we, we just don't to want to feel rough. Try and be functional the next yeah, day. Yeah, cause we drink and we will not. We'll just have to write off the next day. Anyway, so yeah, in terms yeah. of other kind of music, uh, I'd like to do an episode on that. Oh, that yeah, that could uh, be good. The, be my problem is I tend but... to just listen to the same albums over and over again. But that's okay. So Say what last... your favourites are. Well, for the last year or so. Hang on, just... we're going to do an episode oh, on okay. it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. We're going to do an ep. So this is from Mark Griffin. Five points to Gryffindor. Um, Mark Slytherin. You can only say <laughs> that when he's walking yeah. through a doorway. Oh, oh, yeah. Five points to Gryffindor. Mm. Yes. Uh, also, naughty, naughty Mark. You sent this on your work email. Already told your boss what you're doing on work time. He might be the boss, so he's oh, yeah, laughing okay. at your Fine. comment. Fine. He's laughing is. at your Imagine comment. Imagine being your own boss. <laughs> <laughs> Not having people ring you up at all hours of the day thinking that because you work from home you haven't got a job. Oh, dear. Hi, Sandra and Paul. Hi, Mark. Hi, Sandra. Should I read the oh, whole hi, letter Mark. in a really sarcastic voice? That'd be really funny. You could really change someone's intent, couldn't you? You could. I'm not it. sure how much our listeners would enjoy a whole letter <laughs> in a sarcastic voice. Well, not with the length of letters we get. <laughs> not with the essays people send us. Hi, Paul and Sanya. Listening to Paul talking about radiation so passionately certainly cut, uh, certainly cut a chord with me, I literally said. Certainly struck a chord with me, and I totally understand why he felt H was guilty of making some ill-considered comments at the time. Oh, God, I discovered some today in relation to oh, .com. Oh, really? I also felt let down with H continually distancing himself from Meridian's past, and in some ways there was always a slight suspicion that right from the start, H considered himself a bit too cool for Meridian. He often made the comment about having to make a choice between working with the, the, the most cool band in the world, or joining Meridian, the least cool band in the world. And while it was said jokingly, I have at times felt that H struggled with the fact that he joined a prog band. But it was his last shot of being a successful musician after the commercial failure of both the Europeans and How We Live, which, to be fair, is a great record. Yes, it is, and we should listen to that at some point. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of us felt okay. Sorry, our favourite band isn't cool enough for you, mm. mate. Which then, I guess, is a reflection upon you. It's kind of like saying yeah. you're not cool enough yeah. Yeah. for Look, me. Okay, we all like that. Yeah. Now, with the benefit of hindsight, and we've all got a lot older, it's like things like that don't matter. No. I mean, it didn't really matter then. You know, it wasn't enough to make me stop being a Marillion fan. Ironically, what nearly made me stop being a Marillion fan was H making those comments. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's what I mean. It, him saying it may have also felt as a reflection on us, on yes. the listeners. Yeah, I know what that's what yeah. you're saying, but oh. what I'm saying is the fact that they weren't called wasn't enough to stop me. Yeah, but, true. Um, yeah, because it's different when it's your mates, and it's different when it's the singer of the actual band. <laughs> yeah, saying yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, and I, I do think there it felt like during the 90s and, it, and there's a bit more of it as well going forwards with I mean Radiation was probably the peak of them trying to appear a bit cooler but yeah Radiation as well and we're talking things like press photos and uh, yeah just how the band was trying to pre- present themselves mm. it's like come on you're Marillion you know you don't have to try it just it ends up feeling a little bit forced um, 
and these days it, it's there isn't that anymore you know and they stop doing that mm. and once they drop that whole you know trying to be cool and just were themselves they become cool. they become a lot cooler yeah. you know i thought i thought in the 80s uh, i mean fish was always unapologetically himself and yeah. to me he was I the can't cool. imagine him trying to ever try and be, be cool, cool or anything no. but consequently he to me as a as a teenager was the coolest man on earth you know i thought there was no one cooler than fish yeah i think he is he's still got that kind of cool he's still got quality. that he's still got that i don't give a fuck yeah kind of attitude that that is really inherent in what god we're going to get into another discussion about what's cool and what isn't but you know what i mean by cool is you know yeah this is always the irony someone who's trying to hard is never cool someone no. who is trying to be cool is the antithesis of cool yeah and someone who really doesn't care that's what's cool yeah what is cool? I don't know. Anyway. Well, cool, I guess, cool, unaffected by the opinions of others, or at least appears to be. Yeah, appears to be. Yes. Yeah, you can. I think you can be not affected. Trying, I not trying, not over-eager to please others. I think you can be affected by, you know, something could still upset you, but then not acting on that, I think, is Yeah, is not trying too hard about. to be liked or to please others. Yes. Possibly. Possibly. But also not being offensive and, like, trying to get them okay, to hate now, you. Now, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what you're saying. Gone off the deep end. You have. So, back to Mark's letter. Again, as others have said, I think this period in the band's history was very uncertain for them. They didn't seem to fit anywhere and the mainstream media had all but forgotten them. So, in many ways, the band were desperate to reinvent themselves musically and visually. I remember some dodgy photo shoots with Mark's tattoo on his head. Oh, yeah. And the band trying to look cool. Oh, exactly what we've just said. Something they have never been good at, ain't that the truth? For me, though, my feelings were a bit different in that I never thought of deserting the band. To me, uh, they had enough credit in the bank for me to stick with them. It was obvious they were struggling, and I almost felt compelled to stick with them through this difficult time. I think, yeah, I think that's really what happened with me. And that sounds awful, doesn't it? It sounds like it's so patronising, taking pity on a band. I don't think I did. I don't think it was. Maybe you wouldn't. I felt I wanted to help. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I well, with still... possibly feeling hopeful that they'd get through it. and Yeah, but again, there was always enough on each album that I kind of stuck with them, even there was if it was just one song. Yeah. Um, enough that I'd go, well, they're still... That was interesting, at least, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, musically, it's true to say that none of the Castle albums, TSE, Radiation, or .com, were on the same level as Misplaced, Clutching, Brave, or Afraid of Sunlight. In fact, all the albums that came before I'd write higher, but I understand that the band were fighting for its future and felt they needed my support more than ever. To be fair, each album had some fantastic individual songs which told me that the magic had not died. Okay, we're just preempting everything that Mark is saying here, aren't we? We should shut up and just read the rest of the letter. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if the next paragraph was, you should just shut up and read the rest of the letter. <laughs> he's like, whoa, he's psychic. Um, anyway, Radiation itself is a mixed bag. I managed to get hold of a promo copy. God, everyone did. A few weeks before it was released. And at the time, was happy to see the band trying some new sounds. I've been one of, I've been to one of the shows at the Walls in Ostra Street and had heard some of the new songs. So I was quite optimistic about the album. But it had its problems. The production is pancakes in and some of the between song chatter gets old very quick. Lyrically, the album can be very raw and it's very apparent that all is not well with H's private life and sadly a few words for the dead ends with the words they were happy and of course we know that this wasn't the case for his marriage. 
The 2013 edition goes a long way to fixing some of the issues with the album. It doesn't make Cathedral Wall any less of a mess, but you can't fix everything. Really enjoying the podcast. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts about .com. I suspect it's going to be a bumpy ride. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I found a really good interview as well in um, one of the web magazines with Stephen Wilson about produce. Um, he didn't really produce the album. He's listed as additional production and mixing some of the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, very interesting. Oh, I shall About be, .com? About .com. I shall be referring to that in... Uh, the episode hmm. I have to also say like going back to the topic of you sticking with the band through this period um, none of the albums so far have been all bad no there's always there has always been great songs on each album or at least good songs yes and possibly that helped you stick with them because I there wasn't I just said that yeah there wasn't an album so, that, did, so did Mark yeah there wasn't an album that <laughs> There wasn't an album. Well, now that we're came now back. we're saying now we're okay, what Mark said. I've got no memory today. Then Mark says his thing, and then Sanya repeats <laughs> it again. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, because you were saying that you stuck with them in order to sort of show support. Yeah, and then I and then help. I said, but there there was enough good yeah. on each album that yeah. I'd go. There wasn't any album that was all bad. I don't think. No, there isn't one. I'm sure you don't feel that way about Dot Com. No, because I, I, yeah, you know, it's no secret that my favourite track on there is House, which is a track that is widely disliked by a lot of fans. Really? Yeah. Um, Really? I had no idea. Yeah, a lot of people really don't like House. And I like Go, but don't love it. And uh, we'll come come to all this next week. So there are quite a few on there. Well, not quite a few. There are at least two that you like. Yeah. Okay, so we are on to our final letter for this week from Paul Kirkley. James T. Beam me up, Scotty. That took you a while, didn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hi, Paul and Sonia. Loving your work on the podcast. Going through the albums with you has really made me reevaluate my own journey with Marillion over the years. Can I just say, mm. I love it when people tell us we're great. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favourite things. Is it? Yeah. I yeah. really like it. Yeah, when I like people it too. Eat, write to us and say, I'm loving what you're doing. Really love it. Oh, yeah. that's sweet. <laughs> uh, regarding last week's episode, I was interested in the way radiation had stirred the silt of Paul's emotional reactions around that time. And I just wanted to present an alternative point of view. I was also one of the people who interviewed H during the press oh. Oh, during the press campaign for radiation. And I remember we talked so much about moving on from the whole prog thing, possibly prompted by me to be fair that the headline on the subsequent article was Kissing the Prog Goodbye. Prog, frog, maybe you had to be there. Ah, oh, so Paul Kirkley is to blame for it all. Well, let's keep reading. No, Far let's leave from... it there. Let's just blame him and leave it there. <laughs> Far from feeling slapped in the face, though, I was one of the fans who was cheering them on, willing, t- willing them to put even more clear blue water between themselves and the P-word. Like H, I spent a lot of time fruitlessly entreating my friends not to judge Merlion 
on the horrible on those horrible dated Mark Wilkinson artwork covers or the face paint or Fisher's more Adrian Mole style lyrical excesses. They're not that band anymore, I would insist. They've moved on. As a teenager in the 80s, I'd had a brief but intense prog phase. But by the time I was in my 20s and Britpop had hit, Meridian were very much an outlier as far as my musical tastes were concerned. I guess what I'm saying is that I was as embarrassed by my own prog past as anyone in the band. This was my Garden of Gethsemane phase. Oh, well done. When I probably would have denied ever knowing Fish, and I was pleased to see Marillion evolving into something I felt was more contemporary. Can I just say, so was I. You know, I think I think both Brave and Afraid of Sunlight absolutely fit into the musical landscape. Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately, you know, and I, I, I was, I shared those albums with people, particularly Afraid of Sunlight. Mm-hmm. And then they did TSE, Radiation and Dot Com and there wasn't anything on those. As much as I liked some of the individual songs, they felt out of step with the time and I didn't, when I was trying to meridianise people, there was nothing on there really, generally, that I felt I could say to people, look, look at this modern sounding band. Mm. Yeah, what is prog? We've discussed it before. Prog, forget it. I, You know, maybe we should just ban the word because I don't think it really is relevant or helping Marillion's case because there's so much crap prog out there. And additionally, there are so many bands that I think should be labelled as prog that aren't. Yeah, that Meridian would sit alongside. Or I didn't care if they left Prog behind. What I didn't want them to leave behind was being Meridian, Mm. which they did. Well, you felt they did. Yes. And I felt they were trying to a bit too hard, particularly on Radiation. As much as we have concluded that I like that album broadly. Yeah. it, It was them trying to distance themselves too readily. Right, so Paul continues... I also don't blame H at all for his frustration at constantly being judged by the media and the wider world on the basis of 15-year-old music that he didn't make and didn't even particularly like. Ooh, ouch. Ouch. Remember that Marillion subsi- Stop again. Remember that Marillion specifically hired H because he wasn't a fish clone. There was no clause in his contract that he then suddenly had to become a prog fan. If he didn't like Fugazi, then fine. I don't particularly like Fugazi either, though of course I've still forked out for the expensive deluxe reissue. <laughs> That's being a Marillion fan for you. Can I just jump in again? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, you're right, of course, and it's entirely up to Marillion what they did back then. However, it backfired. However you look at it, it, it at least for 10 years, it was... <sighs> They nearly, they nearly ended because of it. Yes, I agree. I think a fish clone would have been a disaster. I'm glad they got H because he's gone on to make some of my favourite music of all time and the band have have benefited from having him there and I know that if Fish had stayed, it would have been a disaster. You know, it's not even something I ever entertained what would have happened if Fish had stayed. Well, he didn't, so you can't say that. I think it was just really the the... The wholesale distancing of the band from that era and H probably unfairly became the focus of that because they were all doing it. Let's face it, there were five people in the band, four mm. of whom wrote the lion's share of the music. Yeah, H but was he just gets the front the, man. He, um, yeah. I blame them all 
for it. But actually, that's a good point. You know, it's not really fair on him just because he's fair. the voice of the band. Yeah, probably and expected to be possibly the most vocal in interviews. And additionally, on that, you know, being asked in every interview about fish, uh, and you know, being asked to front a band that he hadn't had an emotional investment in up to that point. It was a job, I'm sure, to a degree on that season's end tour. Uh, but the the for whatever reason, and I think, you know, I need to really get my thoughts clear on this and then we should do a retrospective of the 90s. For whatever reason, the sales of the band declined. You know, whatever message was being sent out, whether it was quotes in interviews, photo shoots, the type of music they were making, sales didn't just decline. They fell off a cliff. Yeah, you know, all right, it was a not, not a vertical drop, it, but it was a steep shale slope mm. down to the rocks at the bottom. Every album from when H joined sold less than the one before it. Every single one until Anarachnophobia. And what happened with Anarachnophobia is they just got a, got a grip, put the right people around them that, you know, could help with the messaging and sending the right message out there to the world. Um, because when they were left to their own devices, they didn't, didn't always make the right choices. I'm sorry, you know, that's the truth. Five musicians, their skill is in making music, not... They're necessarily not, in promoting themselves. Yeah, they're not promoters. Um, or making the right creative decisions. Don't forget as well, those Castle albums, they didn't have a producer mm. to help them make the right choices. And so it's telling when you kind of look at the albums before and after that the Castle era are so much stronger because they've got Dave Megan at the helm. You know, that era is bookended both times. You know, the, the front front loaded and reloaded with two Dave Megan albums. Would you say like the producer is kind of like a ship's captain? He steers, like he brings it all together well, and, yeah. and gives it a unifying thread. I've been reading this week about uh, some, I've read some quotes this week from I can't remember which band member said that they're not always the best judge of their own material. And I don't think anyone is. No. You're too close um, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they need someone to sort of say that shit or that's good. Ultimately, they do have the final say as a democratic unit on which songs yeah. make it to an album. But there's things like in Don.com, right? Mm. Um, Stephen Wilson, he was just asked to mix the album, but there were, he couldn't resist making a few editing choices to some of the songs. Like he cut 45 seconds out of Interior Lulu. And mm-hmm. The band didn't even notice. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, that's not, that's quite a lot. That's quite, it's almost a minute of music. How do you not notice <laughs> 45 seconds? they're missing. too close to it, I guess. Yeah. It's just, you know, um, so yeah, that was, that was quite funny to read that. But anyway, we'll do it. We'll, we'll talk about it, what went wrong in the nineties. Cause something right. did go wrong. Yeah. Uh, and we'll do an episode on it. Back to Paul Kirkley. Was I reading? Yes, dear. God. Where was I? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you're not with it today. I'm not with I'm it. I'm miserable. You're I not told with you it. my brain works better when I don't have coffee. Um, also, just a quick note on the castle years in general. I've generally found most Marillion albums over the decades to be a mix of the good, the bad, and the sublime, 
And I don't see those three late 90s albums as being any different, really. In fact, I probably find more to enjoy on all three of them than, say, Anarachnophobia or Sounds That Can't Be Made. And finally, on Radiation, I think you're both right regarding The Answering Machine. It starts out as a reference to a lover who won't respond and ends up with H pouring his heart out to an actual answering machine because it's easier that way. Maybe. I, I, okay, yeah, look, you can't even compromise when Paul's giving us a way to compromise and saying we're both right. Never compromise, that's my, that's my life rule. <laughs> no compromises. <laughs> No capitulation. You can't let Don't us back down. You can't let us both be right. Never flinch in the face of stupidity. <laughs> wow. And Paul is dead right about Three Minute Boy. It's a beautiful tune spoiled by a somewhat sour and petulant lyric. And yes, Oasis were a bit crap and Wonderwall is a dirge, but that's not the point. Plus, the title reinforces the stereotype that Marillion view anything less than 10 minutes as being somehow cheap and throwaway, which I thought was exactly the type of knitted brow nonsense they were trying to get away from. Right, I'll stop now. Keep up the great work. Paul. Mixed messages, eh? Marillion were giving out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Say the least. Right, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for all your letters. Uh, thank you for all your letters, everyone. Uh, next week, I think we're starting on .com. Yes. Uh, and then we're out of the castle years after that. Oh, yeah. .com's the final castle album. Yeah, but they did need those albums in a funny sort of way. And also, they, the three albums, they it led to them discovering crowdfunding. So, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the road is winding, but it still gets you to your destination. Yeah. If it wasn't for that era and those albums, we really probably wouldn't still be around, I don't think. Mm. Anyway, um, if you want to hear some bonus stuff, I don't know if there'll be one this week, but you'll you'll get podcasts early if you want to support us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash M-R-B-I-F-O. Mr. Biffo, there's a whole lot of other stuff on there you probably want to ignore. Um, anything else to say subscribe tell people about us that's always really important um, send us some letters beampod at gmail.com about marillion.com and anything else you want to say to us and if you want to talk about marillion in the 90s why you think it all went a bit pear shaped let us know okay that's it for this week isn't it We'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Shoot me. I'm, I'm hungry. Okay. <laughs> it's time for lunch. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.